It's so good to be back with you uh, today as we begin a brand new series. I was in a much colder place this time last week. I was in Illinois because I needed to check up on some grandbabies and make sure that they were okay, and they are. I spoke when I got back. I flew in late on Sunday, and uh, I spoke Wednesday night at the North Campus, and I mentioned to them uh, what I'm about to share with you, and I certainly wanted to share this with you. I wanted to say thank you uh, for your prayers for Brody. Uh, Brody uh, is now one month old, and he's doing exceptionally well. And uh, in fact, you would never know that the first half of his life was filled with all the complications, the, the respirator, the feeding tubes, every machine you could ever imagine that that little guy was on. And I held him numerous times, of course, while I was there. And you just look at this guy, and you would just say, thank you, God. I thank you, God, for t- he looks like he's never had a tough day in his life, but he's had a lot of them. And I wanted to just say thank you for uh, praying for Brody. He is perfectly well. He is perfectly healed by God. And they're saying there's going to be no res- residual effect whatsoever. He's going to be a healthy boy, no complications long term as a result of that. So we're thankful for that. I've got a pastor buddy when I got back. Uh, a good friend of mine who just so happens to be uh, also uh, an avid Georgia Bulldog fan, so he too is in the will of God completely. And I was telling him, uh, you know, about Brody, and just I said, this is, a, this is a tough boy. I said, as tough as he is, he is destined uh, to be a, a player, uh, one day a football player for the University of Georgia. And he said, Jeff, he said, I know he's tough. He said, man, and he just has all these little quips and sayings. And he said, I, I, bet, he, I, bet, I bet Brody is as tough as a $2 steak. So you just think about it. All right. <laughs> and I said, yeah, he probably is. And, and then uh, uh, Kenley, who is the firstborn, she just turned four back in September. And anytime her and Papa are together, we go and see a movie. And I thought a particular movie would already be out, and it was not out. So I'm like, all right, so I'm searching. And then I heard about this movie. I didn't know about it, The Star. Have you heard about this, this kids? And so we went to the movie, Kenley and I, which basically meant I held her popcorn and her cotton candy while we watched the movie. And it was a really great time and spending a lot of time with her, and that was fun, jumping on the trampoline, which he loves to do. And then uh, I got to tell you, Landry... Man, she's just growing up, and she's getting so smart. Later this month, she's going to be two. And if she did this once, she must have done it 30 times while I was there. Uh, she'd just come walking over to me, and she's so little, and she'd just wrap her little arms around my leg, and she'd look up just like this, and she'd squeeze my leg, and she'd say, love you, Papa, love you, Papa, just like that. And she didn't know what I was thinking, but I was like, girl, you're getting a really big Christmas gift this year, really big. Really big, bigger than anybody else. And so it was just a, a great, great time and just being with them. And I thank God, you know, how many of you know you need to thank God for even the simple thing? I now thank God for FaceTime because when my babies moved away last July, I'm thinking they're going to forget Paul Paul. And because I FaceTime, it's like soon as they pick me up from the airport, Paul Paul, Paul Paul. And that's, that's just a great feeling. So it's good to be back home. It's good to be able to start this new series with you, a three-week Christmas series. And, um, and then on what will be the fourth weekend of this month, the 24th, Christmas Eve, we'll have our normal service times. I want to encourage you to bring people throughout this series. Bring people. I'll give you the topic for next week to give you an idea of why you would want to bring people. I want you to invite them, but if you could only get, uh, get them here one week. I hope you can get them here every week. 
But uh, studies after study have indicated that of, among unchurched people, the people that we work with, the people that you go to school with, your neighbors, your coworkers, family members, friends, that the time that they are most likely to say yes to an invitation to church, to come to church with you, the most likely time for that to occur is in the Christmas season. So you talk to them and you get them here with you. And uh, we'll continue this series on the 10th next week, uh, on the 17th and then on the 24th. I'm going to have a special message that is basically like a straight-up evangelism, salvation message that you'll want to bring a lot of unchurched people with you uh, that day. So uh, I'm glad you're here. We're calling this series Choosing Christmas. You and I get a chance to make a lot of choices uh, in our lifetime. Thank God for that. And in a very real sense, you're going to have the opportunity to choose, and it's what I'm going to talk about today and for the next two weeks, to choose the pieces of your life that you're either going to carry with you into December or either leave behind once and for all. And, and let me just say it like this so you understand the course that we're going to take. There's some great parts of your life that you need to carry with you into December. And by the way, they're so good and so important and so valuable in your life, you not only need to take them into December, you need to take them into the rest of your life because it's the thing, things you ought to be doing and keeping with the purpose and the will of God and the good things that you know you ought to do as a follower of Jesus. But this is what I know about us as well, and that is there are some negative things there are some bad things going on in your life right now that you just need to leave behind and not carry another day forward into December and another step forward into your life. And those are the things that I want to talk to you about in this series. And I've been praying a lot about this, and I've been thinking a lot about this because some of you, are, you're coming into this Christmas season, and this is what we know about us. I think it is true for every one of us that there is probably, I don't think anybody would be immune to this, I think for every one of us right here, right now in this theater, I could, I could accurately say you've got some good things going on in your life. There's some good things happening in your life. And you know what happens when we come into a holiday season, Christmas season, like we're doing right now? If you've got good things going on in your life, then oftentimes during these times of the year, they are magnified. In fact, many times magnified exponentially. It's really good in your life, but you come and it just seems even better than it's been up until this time. But this is what I also know. I also know that all of us in this room have some bad things going on in our lives. We have some negative things going on in our life. And how many of you know what happens to those things as well during a time of year like now? They're magnified. If you've got some bad stuff going on in your life, guess what happens during this time of year? It gets magnified. It gets blown up. If, if you've been lonely, guess what? You feel even more lonely during this time of the year. If you've struggled with discouragement or depression, you know how many times will happen uh, during this time of year? It, it gets magnified. It's, it's larger. It's oftentimes, emotionally speaking, it's like maybe even blown out of proportion. And so the good things in your life, and all of you have them, and, and I know uh, what some people think, I don't have anything good in my life. Nothing at all ever happens good in my life. Well, you, you know that's not true. There are some good things going on in your life. Well, then tell me, Pastor Jeff, well, let me help you. You are breathing this morning. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. 
uh, you have shelter. That's a good thing. You have food. Those, those are good things. So, uh, you know, you have some good, you have some bad. Uh, some people are saying, you know, uh, Pastor Jeff, it, it seems that you would include yourself among those that have some good and some bad going on in your life. But just for me, you may have this idea. Not really. Not really for me. That's probably true for you. Probably true for everybody else in here. But for me, my life is totally perfect in every way. If that's what you're saying, number one, I want to say, I want your life. Number two, I want to say, I don't believe you. I don't believe you because your life is not totally perfect in every way. And my life is not totally perfect in every way. And there are good things that happen, but there's negative things. And often during the holidays, we're like, all right, the good things are getting blown up. The bad things are getting magnified. And to help us during these three weeks, I want to talk to you about how do we leave some of the stuff that is bad, negative, behind in our life. Now, there are numerous challenges that we, with God's help, are not going to carry into this Christmas season. And I'm confident of that. I want to just speak very hopefully, uh, hopeful to you. I want to speak very encouragingly to you because some of you have been carrying around some bad things for quite some time. Some of you have been, not just weed, some of you have been carrying some negative stuff around in your life, some, some baggage, some baggage. Baggage is not fun. How many of you know baggage is not fun? I made a decision when I got ready to go to Illinois this time, about two days before my trip. I just decided, and some of you have done this long before, I made a decision. It's one of the best decisions I think that I've made in my life, aside of the things that are most important, as far as travel decisions. Here's a travel decision that I made. A lot of you, I I know you made this a long time ago, but I decided I am through checking in luggage. I'm done. I am done checking in luggage. So I got me this carry-on. I'm very proud of it. My Georgia Bulldog, you know, personalized tag has not arrived yet, but I'll proudly put that on soon. And, and I, you know, I just don't want to have to be chasing baggage around everywhere. Any of you ever had a bag get misplaced on, on, uh, during some travel? I did on the trip before this, and I got, and I'm like standing in the Tampa airport, and I'm looking for my bag, and I know I can see it. It's got this bright red tag, G, and you know, I'm, I'm like, it's not going to be mistaken. I'm going to see it, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and after a while, I went to, you know, the little area where you can check, and I said, hey, uh, you know, I, I think I may have missed my bag, and I'm just, you know, and I had my little, and I showed it uh, to them, and, uh, and they looked, and Your bag is in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm like, but I'm here. And I need what's in that luggage. I need it. So I had to drive the next day back over to the Tampa airport. How many of you know that's fun? Just to go and get a bag. I don't want to carry around a lot of baggage. I am now a full-fledged, hardcore, carry-on baggage kind of guy. How many of you have already been doing that a long, long time ago? All right. All the smart people figured this out long before I did. I don't want you carrying a lot of baggage with you. Uh, Next week, I want to talk about, and and you need to be here, but you need to bring some people with you that you think may be struggling with this. I know a lot of people that are carrying around a lot of baggage as it relates to shame. Shame. They just can't get past some of the things that they've done in their past. And it's just like this shame, almost this this restrictive thing that's just held them back. It's like how I just can't, and and you you just keep carrying it you know, further and further in your life. And next week, and I'm going to give you some, some help in this regard, and we're going to look at the Bible, of course, and the Bible is going to deal with this reality, how that you and I can leave shame behind once and for all. So you need to be here for that, and I want you to bring some people with you. 
How many of you know there's lots of people that struggle with guilt and shame? How many of you know that? All right? I'm not asking you to raise your hand for you because you wouldn't be as inclined to do that. But you and I know a lot of people that, and, and we're going to talk, and how we're, we're not going to carry that any further into December. Now, what I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk to you about how to overcome offenses, all right? Any, any of you ever have times in your life where you feel offended, all right? Any, you, you feel offended a little bit, or you become, let me, let me ask it this way. How many of you, hear me now, how many of you know somebody, and don't point, don't, don't, you know, uh, it, not, not, we're not even talking about any, but how many of you know somebody uh, in your life, some proximity of your life, that you would say of that person, they are, they are a person that is easily offended. If you know somebody like that, would you just raise your hand like that? You know somebody that is easily offended. Let me just see your hand. All right, let me see it. They would be so hurt that you've just raised your hand right now. They would be so offended. <laughs> uh, kidding, kidding aside, we're not talking about them. We're going to talk about us. And are you a person that is easily offended? It is easy to carry around uh, week after week, month after month, year after year, offenses. And, and sometimes they're small. And we're going to talk about uh, briefly some of the smaller ones, some of the larger ones. And we're going to do this all. It won't take us long. But uh, sometimes, I mean, when you really look at your life, it's easy to get offended. Have, have you ever had this thought? Have you ever had this thought, well, they didn't even speak to me. They didn't even speak to me. They walked right past me and didn't even speak. And you were just easily offended over that. Or how about this one? You ever felt this way? I wasn't invited. They invited Bob and Sue and Kathy and... James and Bill and Tammy, and, but I wasn't invited. And you just feel easily offended. This one, I've got to tell you, yeah, yeah, these two, that, you know, those, uh, I don't really get offended over those things. I do get offended over this one. And I could mention a bunch, but I'll just mention one more because this is what I get easily offended over. I get easily offended when somebody is doing this with me. And I'm going to use my friend right here. And uh, we're just going to shake hands. I know he's a Gator fan, but we're still brothers in Jesus. And so uh, he, he is me and I am him. And he's talking to me. Do you get offended like when you're talking to somebody and the whole time you're talking to them, they're like, <laughs> you have, does, does that ever happen to you? Do you get excited about that? Do you say, that just feels so good. I'm glad that I'm talking to them, and, and they just seem to be interested. That is, that is, I get easily offended over that. But we all know that there are much more weightier uh, offenses that can hurt us and wound us in much deeper ways. And so for this Christmas season, many of you are going to be around some family members and let's just be honest with one another. Some of you are dreading the holidays already because you're going to be a, a, around some family members th that you really don't want to be around. You don't. And, and you don't want anybody else to know that. And I'm not going to ask you to come up here and give us your name and who you don't want to be around <laughs> this Christmas season. But the reality is, I mean, how, how many, I will ask you this. How many of you, you just know, you just know, you know it, that at some point during the Christmas season, when a lot of people come together, you just already know there's going to be some drama going on. How many of you know that? There is going to be drama. It's just going to happen. 
and, and you're thinking, I just would like a little bit of break from the dysfunction that always seems to be in full swing this time of year. Some of you are thinking, you know, I, uh, I've had some things experienced, uh, you know, some things that I've experienced in my life this year that have been difficult. I've had a, the ending of a friendship, and that's tough. A friend maybe that you've had a long time. Some of you, in fact, it may be scores of you, that you've become divided in some sort of a, a family relationship since Christmas last year. And, you know, a relationship that once was thriving and good is it's just there's huge gaps of separation now. Now, if you've been offended in big or small ways, I want you to lay those down. I do. And, and I want to help you with that by going to the Bible, beginning today before Christmas ever arrives. And because this is God's will for your life and mine, I know that God is going to help us in this regard. So I want to take the next few moments. I don't have a long time. But I want to talk to you about how that, whether it's small or big, how that you can leave offenses right where they're at and not like a big heavy bag. You're not going to pull it any, you're not even going to make it to December 4th. You're definitely not going to make it to the 24th or the 25th because you're going to leave it behind. Now, to help us get started with this, again, you're saying you're just getting started and it's already 1028, really? But I know where I'm at. I know where I'm going. I can do this. Do you believe, wave at me if you believe I can do this. I can do this, I promise, all right? Let's read this first verse together. Here we go. Let's read it. Everybody read it with me. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. How many of you know that if you're looking for an offense, you're going to be able to find one? If you are looking to be offended, I promise you, you are going to be offended. Now, if you're going to have, though, a peaceful and a productive Christmas this year and really thrive well, not just during this season, but in the rest of your life and future, then you're going to have to learn how to do just that, to do what this verse, Proverbs 19.11 says, it is to your glory to be able to overlook an offense. Many years when our church first got started here, I did a series. Some of you long-termers will remember this series I, I did and I, and I call that series, Life's Too Short. And I went through a series for about four weeks, Life's Too Short to fill in the blank, Life's Too Short. But I, but I never did that one, this one that I'm talking about today. And I probably should have, but in a way, I'm glad that I didn't because I want to just say to you this morning that life is way too short to keep carrying around offenses in your life. Your life and my life is really in light of all eternity. It's really brief. We get one life in this world. We get one chance. We get one opportunity. That's all we get. And the Bible says this about your life and about my life. The Bible says that your life and mine is a mist. It is a vapor. You ever get up in the morning and it just seems like, uh, you know, it just seems hazy and, uh, and foggy. And, and yet you, you know the reality is going to clear up. The sun's going to burn through that and it's going to clear up. And, and you're shielded from these bright blue skies and you can't see them. But life is like that. Life is like a morning mist, a, a vapor. And it's there for a little while and then it uh, vanishes. And it's way too short to be burned down and weighted down by the offenses that you continue to carry around with you month after month, year after year. And so what I want to do is it relates to the offenses that you're holding on to is just say, hey, let's not carry them any longer. Let's shut the door. Let's leave them behind and let's keep the door closed. 
Some time ago, I was doing some reading, and it wasn't really mentioning offenses, although there's certainly a parallel when we're talking about grudges. In, in this case, it was talking about grudges, but you could easily insert, instead of grudge, an offense. And this is what this writer said. Imagine being assigned to carry a rock the size of a bowling ball around with you all the time. You just always had to carry it around, a rock the size of a bowling ball. It's heavy, it's inconvenient, but you can never put it down. And this writer said it's called a grudge. We might would say in our context, it's called an offense. And then he goes on to write, we have interesting language surrounding grudges. We talk about them the way we talk about babies. You can hold a grudge. You can carry a grudge or bear a grudge. We even talk about nursing a grudge. And when you nurse something, you feed it that which will keep it alive and make it grow. Pretty soon, it's full grown. And, and offenses are, are just like grudges. You keep nursing them. You keep carrying them around. After a while, after a while, they just get bigger and more pronounced in your life. Now, to release an offense does not mean, and I need to be clear on this, it does not mean that we pretend that it never happened. It does not make excuses for the person that has hurt us or caused us pain. So what I want to do is I want to mention very briefly this morning two thoughts in the remainder of our time that are centered around this idea of two types of offenses. The first one that we need God's help with is getting over, you may want to write this down somewhere, is getting over being easily, easily offended. It's like things we just shouldn't be offended over. But we're looking for an offense, we're looking to be offended, and so as a result of that, we get offended quite easily. There's another verse that I want you to read with me. Uh, The guys are going to put it right up here. It's out of Ephesians. Let's all read this one together. Will you help me out? Everybody, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. All right, look at that. Make allowance for each other's. Leave it up there for just a second, guys. Make allowance for each other's what? Faults. You know anybody in your life that has faults? You know anybody in your life that's not perfect? How many of you know it begins right here with you? And you know how we are? Isn't it unique what we do? Hear this for just a moment. Isn't it amazing how we, and I'll use it loosely, but let me just insert the word judge, how we judge other people. You know how we judge ourselves? We judge ourselves by our intentions. Oh, I really didn't mean to do that. I really didn't want to do that. You know my heart. You know my intentions. You know my motives. And so we want to be judged. Is this not true? We want to be judged by our intentions, but we find it way too easy to judge other people by their actions. Why did he say that? Why did she do that? Why did they think that? And so when we're easily offended, we're, we're not really cutting each other very much light. Do you know? Can I just ask you this question? Do you know even one person aside from Jesus that is absolutely perfect? Do you? Of course not. And you're not a perfect person, and I'm not a perfect person, so why don't we start cutting people some slack here and stop being so thin-skinned and easily offended? You know what, I'm, I, and I haven't always felt this way. I'm not telling you I've always, uh, you know, be, been at a good place with this. Uh, there are times in my life, looking back, when I've been an easily offended person. But sort of my mentality has shifted. My thoughts have changed in this regard. A lot of times when I'm around somebody and this person is, let's, let's just say they're rude. If you're a person that is easily offended, you make their rudeness all about you. Their rudeness is about you. Can I just tell you, 
their rudeness or their bad attitude that day or whatever's going on in their life probably has absolutely nothing to do with you. And it doesn't matter if it's you or somebody else. They're just having a bad day. And and I try to evaluate. I want it more and more. You know what I want to do? The older that I get, the older I get, I want to become less and less judgmental. And I want to cut people some slack. How many of you know that's a good thing? How many of you know that God has not appointed you to be everybody's police? You're not everybody's judge. God is not. It's not in the Bible. If you say, well, I know what my spiritual gift is. God has given me the spiritual gift of judgmentalism. No, God has given you the spiritual gift of lunacy, of craziness. Stupid. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to say stupid, but it's stupid. You don't have the spiritual gift of judgmentalism. And the reality is we ought to cut people some slack. Because people are, it's funny, we, we want people to cut, cut us a lot of slag, but we're not as eager to do that with other people. And I've just learned, you know what, you know, I'm not going to make it about me. It, it may have absolutely nothing to do with me at all. Probably it doesn't. It may be simply, and I'm trying to see people more and more this way, it may be that they're simply dealing with their own pain and their own fears and their own stress and struggles. I heard this axiom a long time ago, and I've never forgotten it, and it's helped me to not be an easily offended person. If you want to offend me, you're really going to have to do a lot to offend me. You are. Now, you can hurt me, and I can get hurt, but it's just, you know, if you want to do something really dastardly and, and just really, you know, like uh, like I wear a Georgia Bulldog shirt and you spit on the middle, I mean, I'm going to be so hurt. I'm going to be so sad. But I'm, I'm not easily, if, if you want to offend me, it's, it's not easy. And I tried, and part of the reason why is I heard this axiom a long time ago, and it said this, hurting people hurt people. People that are hurting are generally speaking the people that hurt other people. Is that not true? It's not about you, but if you're an easily offended person, you make it about you. It's about me. No, it may have nothing to do with you at all. It may have everything to do with, again, pain and fears and stress and struggles that is going on in their life that has nothing to do with you. And what I'm saying to you today, don't be an easily offended person. Life is way too short to be easily offended and to be impatient with people just like you and me, people that are imperfect. So cut them some slack. Make allowances for people because everybody has faults. Would you not agree? And so don't be easily offended. Just say, I'm not going to do that anymore. You know what? I've got that baggage. I'm going to leave it right here. It's not going into this Christmas season. I'm done with that. Now, the other one's a little bit more serious. In fact, it's a lot more serious. And I want to just take a few moments and talk to you about the second and final offense, and that is the big offenses. And these are not petty little things that we get easily offended over. These are the things that really, really hurt. They're terribly painful. They have a sting in them that will sometimes leave you reeling. And some of you here today, you're hurting because you've been betrayed. You've been taken advantage of. You've been deeply wounded. And you certainly don't want to keep carrying this over into Christmas or another step forward in your life. And I'm not saying it's easy. And I empathize with you. Because if you've been hurt, if somebody's really wounded you deeply, you don't get over that overnight. You don't shake that off. 
You know, in football, I think it's obvious I love football by now. Somebody, somebody takes a big hit. I mean, you ever see, I know you, you ladies, you know, this doesn't fire you up. You don't say, ooh, I want to just see him knock the daylights out of him on the sideline. You ladies don't do that. Honey, you're, you know, uh, that's, guys, I mean, admitted guys, when somebody lays a lick on somebody, and I mean just knocks the daylights out of them, especially if you're your, your team that did the big hit, how many of you know you're like, ooh, yeah, you're, you know, that's good, I like that. And then if you get hit like that, what's the old expression, you know? Uh, shake it off. You got to shake it off. Get right back in there. Yeah, you may have got your bell rung, but shake it off, get back in there. When you get hurt, when you get wounded, How many of you know you don't just shake it off? You don't just get up and run back in on the next play. That can linger. That can sting. And you don't want to carry it around, but maybe you're not quite sure how to get rid of it because maybe for you, you've been carrying it around for a long time. And you're like, you know, Pastor Jeff, I hear what you're saying, and I believe that you're being, you know, authentic and uh, altruistic in the fact that you don't want me to keep carrying it around, but maybe you don't understand how uh, profound and pronounced and painful this is in my life. And I... I don't know yours exactly, but I do want to give you something that would be helpful before we're done, and I'll just do it in the form of two thoughts. And maybe you want to jot it down. Maybe you want to write it down somewhere and just keep it in mind, and I'll just hit it really quickly. I think it would be helpful, and you're going to need God's help to do this. You're probably not going to be able to do it on your own. If you think you're just going to manage it, you're just going to buck up and all of a sudden deal with it, and when you haven't been able to really deal with it before, you're not going to be able to do that by yourself. But if you ask God to help you to do this, I believe with all my heart that God will help you to do that. And that is, instead of continuing to rehearse the pain, ask God to help you release it. Because you and I will either rehearse it again and again. Now, I can tell you from personal experience, I've done that. I've got a pretty good, I've had negative things that happened in my life, people that have hurt me, and you know what I do? Have you ever heard this expression, I'm not a technical guy, but a video, uh, this idea of looping video, all right? And it just plays, and it plays and plays and loops. You ever been standing, and you're looking somewhere, and it has an end, and then it starts all over again, and you watch it, and you've seen it, and it ends, and then it starts right, and it just loops and loops and loops. How many of you know you can do that in your mind? How many of you have ever done that in your mind? You just rehearse it again and again. Uh, Jim Simbola wrote a great book a number of years ago. It's called Fresh Faith. And in that book, he says, people lie in bed at night watching old videos on the inner screen of their hearts. He said, they ride in their car looking out the window but seeing nothing. Instead, they daydream about the time someone hurt them, took advantage of them, made them suffer. Hurtful words said by others are heard again and again. Horrible, ugly scenes are repeated hour after hour, day after day, year after year. And maybe you'll just say, you know what? I keep rehearsing that in my mind. And the way that I'm going to ask God to help me this year is to, instead of just keep playing it, is to just shut off the video, to shut off the words, to not hear it, to not see it, and to ask God to help me to release it. One other thing. Instead of rehearsing it, choose to release it. And here's just sort of the second caveat, and then we're done. What if you were to choose forgiveness over over revenge. It's not easy. You said, you know, some of you may be thinking, it's Christmas. Man, go easy on us. You're talking about cutting people's slack. Cut me some slack. I want revenge. It's not as good as you think it is. Forgiveness is a much better thing. Check out this verse. Make allowance for each other's faults. We heard something similar to that a moment ago. 
and forgive anyone who does what? Who offends you. So ask God to help you forgive in the way in which you have been forgiven. John Ortberg wrote a book numerous years ago, and I read the book when it first came out, and I highlighted something in the book that I've referred to again and again because it helps me. In this book, and I'll just read a portion, he said, forgiving is not the same as excusing. He said, forgiving does not mean tolerating bad behavior or pretending that what someone did was not so bad. So let's be clear on that, and I believe he's exactly right. Forgiveness is not the same as excusing. He goes on to say, secondly, forgiving is not forgetting. Scripture writers sometimes use the language of forgetting to uh, describe how God deals with our sin. But that doesn't mean that God has a memory retrieval problem. It means that our past sins become irrelevant to his dealings with us. Forgiving, this is an important statement, forgiving is what is required precisely when we can't forget. Anybody ever come up to you well-meaning and just said, listen, listen, forgive and forget. All right, I can forgive, but I can't always forget. But I can remember and still forgive. How many of you know what I'm talking about? doesn't mean I forgive them and it's blotted out. of. I still remember things that I've had to forgive people over, and I haven't forgotten them, and I never will. But I don't have to forget them to forgive them. Thirdly, he said forgiving is not the same as reconciling. People sometimes think that forgiving someone means that we must reunite with them no matter what. Forgiveness and reconciliation, he writes, are two separate things. Reconciliation requires that the offender still be alive and be sincerely repentant for the wrong that he or she committed. Uh, Reconciliation requires the rebuilding of trust, and I believe that with all of my heart. And So what I'm saying to you today, in fact, you can go ahead and stand with me because we're out of time. I've got one minute. Life is way too short to be easily offended. Life is way too short. And I know your hurts are real. And I know your pains are real. I just don't want to see you. I love you. care about you. God's given me a spiritual responsibility over you that I, I take very seriously. I just don't want to see you carry that hurt and that pain the rest of your life. I know it's real. But I just don't want it to keep plaguing you. Choose this Christmas season. You can leave it behind. You're done. Can I do it? You may be thinking, no, you can't do it. Not on your own. But God helping you, you can do it. Do you believe that? So, Father, help us all today. Firstly, help us not to be easily offended. Help us to cut people slack. Help us to not be so, just so judgmental and so looking for reasons to be easily offended that it just happens because we're looking for it. Help us to be patient. Help us to be patient with others the way that you've been patient with us. And help us to forgive others in the way that you have forgiven us. And I just pray for every person here, especially every person that is walking under the heavy weight of a past hurt, a past pain, a past heavy-duty offense that you would help them to choose Christmas, to choose this Christmas. They're not going to carry it forward anymore. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Real quickly, next week, I'm going to talk to you about leaving behind shame. 
Bring somebody with you. Don't forget the Girls Ministries has the poinsettias. Don't forget to go ahead and do the exchange, dollar for dollar exchange. It'll save you a lot of time tonight at Christmas Town. I love you. See you at 5 o'clock this afternoon, everybody. Love you.